Chapter 1. What an Introduction to SAR. Tuesday, 13 May, 1986. The phone jarred us awake about 1.30 a.m. My wife answered and handed it to me. Our friend Carl asked if I would like to help look for some lost climbers on the south side of Mount Hood. Inexperienced as I was, I didn't think the south side would be a problem. Ignorance is bliss, until reality hits you up the side of the head. Off I went, joining four others in Carl's van. In search base, we saw the parents of one of the lost climbers, concern evident on their faces. That concern was well warranted, as much of the world would soon learn. I was assigned to Team 4 and soon learned about the power of a mountain storm. That was my first experience with a mountain whiteout, and it was beyond anything I had imagined. The whole world was white, no shadows or other contrast. Terrain features were indistinguishable, even right under our feet. People wearing dark clothing were visible out to a distance of about 70 to 150 feet, about 20 to 45 meters, depending on how thick the fog was at the moment. This would turn into the largest mountain search in U.S. history. Missing teenagers and distraught parents added an emotional load. The day before, ten students from Portland's Oregon Episcopal School, OES, and their three adult leaders failed to return from a climb, part of the curriculum for sophomores at the school. They were still out there, somewhere on the fogged-in south side of Mount Hood. Into the storm. Our team assignment was to take a snowcat to an altitude of 7,500 feet, then search an area west of White River Canyon. On the way, we decided to check out the abandoned Silcox hut, since restored, in case the climbers had taken refuge there. The building was vacant, but while there we heard the first good news of the search. Two members of the OES group had walked out at Mount Hood Meadows, a ski area to our east. One was a guide hired to help with the climb, the other a student. At least two of our subjects were alive and might provide valuable information. Information they did provide, but not as much as we hoped for. They reported that the rest of the climbers were in a snow cave somewhere in White River Canyon. That narrowed our search area considerably. However, they had no altimeter and visibility was so poor that they could provide no description of either the area around the cave or their route from the cave to the ski area. Our assignment changed. We were to go into the canyon and search on the White River Glacier. Team 3, also at the hut, would go with us. We roped up and headed east, into the whiteout. Terry, the team leader, was about 70 feet ahead of me while Jim, our third man, brought up the rear. As middleman, my job was to watch the compass and keep us on track. Easier said than done. Visibility was rotten and 30 to 50 mile per hour winds tried to blow us off course and sapped our energy. Then Terry dropped out of sight. As the rope went taut, I dug in with my ski poles and crampons, what climbers call the arrest position to hold a fallen comrade. Jim did the same because he saw me do it. The whiteout was so thick that he could not see Terry. Jim and I held the rope while Team 3 set anchors and tied another rope into ours and pulled Terry out. In the poor visibility, he did not see the drop-off and stepped right off the edge into the canyon. We were supposed to go into that canyon, but we expected to arrive in a more controlled manner. The storm took advantage of my immobility during the rescue and handed me a lesson on the importance of good clothing and equipment. I was getting cold. In addition, avalanche danger in the canyon was high, 
and cornices on the rim threatened to release and trigger more snow slides. It did not appear safe to continue, so we retreated to the hut and eventually back to base. Terry's fall made him the only searcher to enter White River Canyon that day. Two teams higher on the mountain had even worse luck. Winds were stronger up there, probably 90 to 100 miles per hour. They also attempted to enter the canyon, but could not find a safe route. One team tried to dig a snow pit to get out of the wind, but blowing snow refilled it as fast as they could dig. Like us, they decided that retreat was the best option. Then their snowcat stalled, and before it could be started, the wind blew out a window. Finally, another cat reached the site and jump-started the first one. Eventually, everybody made it back to base. Score, Storm 1, Rescuers 0.